You're listening to Inside Real Estate, your source for all things mortgage and real estate related. The show that brings you all the hottest topics and insights directly from those who know it most. Now sit back and enjoy the show. What is up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Inside Real Estate. You've got myself, Paul Apostolakis. You've got Brad Weisgerber, Salvatore Cusmano. We are the trio of Inside Real Estate. Thank you for those of you that have listened, subscribed, uh, and also left us reviews. We can't thank you enough. Uh, if you want to find us, you can go to irepodcast.com. You can go to Facebook forward slash irepodcast, or you can go to anywhere that you consume your podcast, any app that you can think of. I think we're on that by now. Uh, guys, how are you all doing today? Good, good, sir. Awesome. Today we've got a really awesome guest. We've got uh, awesome. Samantha from – she's a co-founder of Modus Real Estate here locally – and we're going to talk to her today about how she got into real estate. And then I want to get her feeling for what she's seeing in the market. You know, it feels a little bit, Sal, that things are kind of opening up a little bit. We're not seeing yeah. as many multiple offers, et cetera. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, things are kind of, uh, you know, softening to a degree or slowing down. I'm hearing from appraisers they are not as busy. Um, yeah. But I think it's kind of time of that time of year too, you know. Naturally, this time of year, July, August, school starts, things kind of yep. slow down. But it's kind of a natural. It feels like a natural, uh, like uh, slowdown. But we'll see what happens going into the fall. I want to bring in Hillary to give us some insight on on what she thinks. Hillary, welcome to the show, Samantha <laughs> Hillary. I keep. <laughs> I know, you have two first names, Samantha. I know what happens when you get married. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I have two last names, so. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, Sam, welcome to the show. We really appreciate you doing it. Uh, why don't we start with anybody that comes on the show? How did you get into real estate, Sam? Um, so I originally, I come from a background in publication sales. I worked for a yearbook company for eight years and I did that all around Michigan. And then I bought a house and met a realtor and thought this looks like fun. So I went and worked for a local real estate team for three years and ran their ISA department. I was an inside sales agent. Um, I knew that I wanted to get my license, but I wasn't done building my family yet. Um, we wanted to have a, uh, another kid. So I waited until I had my second daughter and got my license. Um, and then I stayed on that team for a little, um, a while. And then the leader of that team thought I wasn't a good fit anymore. So asked me to exit. So the next morning I had coffee with um, three other people and Modus was formed. That's wow. awesome. So you're a co-founder. You guys, how many owners are there? Um, we had six. Now there's four. It's four of you. Yeah. Um, that's, that's interesting. Interesting. So you get into real estate, you, you start doing your own thing. Um, how did you start getting your own business? Let's talk about that. Well, it was kind of a mixture. Um, I do a lot on social media. I don't have a ton of followers, but what just kind of happened is the people that were following me felt a connection and liked me, um, what I was putting out. So they started reaching out to me and asked how they could support me. And I had developed some relationships with lenders who were like yourselves, who were really kind and trying to support that effort into this new venture as well. Um, so people kind of found me both ways. I did a little bit of cold calling, uh, but for me, it was like, I just wanted to, I want to attract the kind of clients that I want to work with. And I right. found that going on social media does that for me. Got it. So what was the transition like going from just working in an office to kind of being a leader of a whole group, right? So you have a team now, you moved over to EXP. That, is yeah. that right? Yeah. Right. So so talk we, to us about that transition to EXP and having the team. Yeah, so moving to EXP was kind of crazy. I'd only ever been, um, I was a KW previously, and the business model of EXP was really intriguing to me. And I started to have conversations beyond just transactions. I think sometimes as real estate agents, especially as new real estate agents, you're just thinking about buying and selling real estate, which is important. That's the core of my job is helping my clients do those things. But what I've learned is that there's so many other pillars to my business. I personally can only do so many transactions, you know, without going crazy. Like I'm a mom, I'm a wife, I'm a friend, I'm all of those other things. So I needed to find ways that I could make money when I'm sleeping. I needed to find ways that um, I could multiply myself. And that's what a team allows me to do. 
So the move over to EXP was actually pretty seamless. Um, <clears throat> it's a different kind of brokerage. Most brokerages, you have to like go into an actual physical office. And our transition over was great timing. It was right when COVID was hitting, <clears throat> excuse me, and everything's virtual. Yeah. It's a little bit freaky. It's like a Sims world. You have an avatar that actually walks in there. Um, but you can attend classes. You can talk to your broker that way. The state meetings are all there. So it was great for that because everyone else was trying to transition and figure out how to work from home or not yeah. be in an office. And that was built for that. So yeah, that, we saw that with the XP's stock price during COVID. It kind of blew up. Yeah. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. When I started, I, I mean, stocks were $10 a stock and right. we joined, um, they have a program where you can purchase stock with a portion of all of your commissions. And I started doing that and it's embarrassing. Um, but last Christmas, I just didn't pay attention, right? 5% of all of my commission checks. It's not that much. Right. Um, I had had a little bit of champagne on uh, New Year's Eve or Christmas Eve last year. And I opened up my Sherwood's account to see what was in there. And I almost fell off the chair. Like, my husband <laughs> and I said, what is it? And he was like, what, what is it? And I said, well, I've been, you know, taking 5% of everything and putting it there. And he was like, that's actual money. And I said, yeah. <laughs> 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 it's like, yeah, I look at this. And it was crazy because the stock prices had gone so um, up so much. And then in February, the stock actually split. So the amount of stock I had was double. So again, like going back to making money while I sleep, like, I mean, yeah. and then they give me stock for things. Um, I actually kind of exciting. Um, I hit icon agent yesterday. I just got the notification. So a small percentage of EXP agents, they actually gift back their cap um, in stock. And so oh, wow. yesterday. That's awesome. Congratulations on that. Thank you. I'm well, very excited. So yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, so that was like the goal when I joined EXP was to hit that milestone um, and make that happen. So yeah. the seamless, like the transition was great, but then I also knew I needed leverage. I knew, again, I couldn't be the one showing all the houses. I've got too many things going on and I have a life. I want to have a life. So that's where the team came in. And at first we were just helping each other, but we all got too busy. So we had to go find other agents and other people to support us. And now they're getting super busy. So now we're on the hunt again for some more showing assistants or agents because our newbies, you know, I just talked to one of them yesterday. She's been licensed for eight months. She has five buyer clients and two listing clients. I mean, wow. eight months awesome. being licensed. It's pretty great. Yeah. If you can offer opportunity for other people, uh, it is obviously really special. Now, one thing that I, that's interesting that you guys have an actual office being that you're in the XP agents or do you, or do you just do everything virtually? So we do a lot of stuff virtually, but we as a team have an office in Ferndale, a space at a co-working that we meet at and we have off, we have desks there. Yeah. Um, but I'm in North Oakland County. We have agents in Detroit, um, over in Macomb, some along the Woodward corridor. So, they're everywhere. And then two of our agents are actually doing a lot in Northern Michigan. Wow. Um, yeah. Like up in Mackinac city, we have some listings um, for condos and we've, they've been going and listing appointments on vacation homes as well. That's so interesting, Sal and Brad. I mean, you guys can chime in, but it's interesting how import, like how you can run a business in today's world and have it so virtual that you can have employees or people on your team kind of all over a state and not have to be so close to each other. Right guys. Yeah. It's pretty yeah. amazing. I do want to yeah. clarify though. Northern Michigan is not Mackinac city. Oh, come on, Brad. <laughs> come, Brad's I, from the UP. Right, Sam. So I don't was born in Traverse city. So, or I grew up in Traverse city. So I know that Northern Michigan is actually the UP, but yeah. for everybody down here, Northern Michigan is Midland. Northern Michigan <laughs> is where Brad lives. It's like Flint. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, that's awesome. So what, so what are your, what are some of your goals, Sam, for your, for your team? I mean, for the year. Yeah. So we would like to grow, um, interesting about EXP is we have a local team, which is Modus, but I also run a national team through EXP. So I have an agent in Indiana right now, and I'm talking to agents, um, across the country that are thinking about joining EXP with me. Um, and you know, they're, they'll still be running their own teams and things in other parts of the country, but they'll be part of this collaboration with Modus and everyone there so we can um, pool resources. So, you know, I'm doing things on Tuesdays. Once a month, I um, am doing a tour Tuesday with an agent 
from Arizona, Kansas City, Charlotte, and Las Vegas. And we do that. And I meet with those people um, every other week to share ideas, which is something that I think in real estate people aren't doing all the time, especially somebody, I mean, I'll be a license three years in March and I've done some pretty crazy things. So like goals keep changing um, yeah, quarterly. Yeah. I redo them. When I got my license uh, a year or three or almost three years ago, my goal is my 10 year goal is to get a pool. Well, they finished it in July. This Saw year. that. That's a so really nice pool. Yeah. Yep. Congratulations. Yeah. The pool's done um, for me personally. I think the next thing is we maybe want to buy an investment property, um, build our, you know, as a team for Modus, we kind of, we don't want to do um, more than 20 agents right now. So we are looking for agents to fill those spots, but they've got to be the right agents. Um, I personally, again, like, I'd like to do 15 million next year. I'm going to do 12 this year. There's a, there's a call right now. Sorry. It's not even important. Um, but so those are the main things for me right now. Uh, the team, I think we expanding, meeting more um, people who are interested in collaborating because we're learning um, the more that we talk to other agents, there's more than enough real estate to go along like around we don't always have to be in competition but i want to be working with good agents because there are some agents out there that aren't so good at their job you know that are doing unethical things so bringing good agents into the business and making sure that things are really good for our buyers and sellers yeah and you said an interesting thing there that there is enough real estate to go around in your opinion i mean it just seems like everybody's a real estate agent in today's market uh and they can't all be successful right? They just can't. It's just not possible. So what in today's market, what sets a good agent apart from, let's say, a bad agent? Well, I think one, um, how honest they are, how truthful and ethical. I mean, I tell my clients right away when we're on the buy side, I'll tell you to not buy a house. Um, yeah. I'll never tell you to buy a house. Um, it's amazing to me how many times I've taken clients out who purchased houses previously, and I'll point something out. And they'll say, well, the other person said that that's not a big deal. And I'm like, I'm staring at this driveway with a tree growing out of it. That's you're going to have to bust the driveway up, re-pour it and get rid of a tree. How is that not a big deal? Or, you know, right. yeah, that's, you know, the old the shingles on the roof, like that's not a big deal. Like, you know, I can just get a new roof. Well, that's great if you've got the money, but we're at the top of your budget. Like, you know, you don't have any money. So yeah. the, the hard truth, giving the hard people, truth. Sometimes. People really like it when you tell them you don't have no. any money. They really <laughs> like that. No, it works really well. In this in this business, right, where like uh, you have a, a wide array of, of different people working in it, right? Like I think it's easy to have like the truth or, you know, honesty blurred by a commission check, right? Yeah. And people all the time, nah, no, dude, don't worry about it. You can afford it, you know, or... Yeah, no big deal. And people always, you know, and, and that does last a long time. Like you said, right? You talk to someone. I've I've had a lot of clients come back and do another mortgage with me, but not with their previous agent. Yeah. Right? That house sucked or we had all the, these bad issues, whatever it was. And I think that, you know, even on our end, it's like, well, dude, you know, you can work with me, but they're giving you a better deal. It's up to you. Right. I think, that, uh, yeah, I think the difference is being uh, focused on the client as opposed to the paycheck, mm -hmm. right? Like I think a good agent focuses on the client and making sure the client is taken care of fully as opposed to getting a deal done and getting paid. Does that make sense, Sam? Oh, yeah. I mean, I had a client who just closed a few months ago who I was helping for two years. I mean, some people would have not stuck with them. I mean, I just talked to somebody else the other day who's somebody, Amanda on your team is getting them, trying to get them pre-approved. They have like a $120,000 budget. They're first time home buyers. No one in their families have ever purchased a home before. Like this is a big, huge change for their whole family. They're trying to create generational wealth for their children. And they've had two agents tell them that they don't deal with um, price points that low. Oh, come on. Okay. And it's, that's interesting. I feel like that's right. illegal. I mean, they're just like, I can't help you. There aren't houses out there for that right now. Right. Like my first house was $92,000 that I bought. Right. And then we sold it for 150 and then moved out and bought a bigger house. Now, because I just got a pool, we're stuck here for a while. But, you know, people like people are trying to do something. And how could somebody tell somebody that that's not a, that's a ton of money to somebody, you know, to a lot of people. Yeah. So or at least 
at least have something set up where it's like, listen, you know, like, um, I want to make sure you have the, you know, the time allocated. I have someone on my team who's going to give you a call, right? Who can take care yeah. of that, right? I mean, yeah. there, I don't think there's anything wrong with delegating things, whether it's a $500,000 deal or a $50,000 deal, if you're too busy, you're too busy. And For I don't think there's anything wrong with admitting that to someone. Yeah. But giving it away, like I just like giving it to somebody else who can handle it, I think is important or referring it off. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I, but I think if you're like Paul was saying, like if you're focused on the client, um, that's what ends up making you a good agent. At the end yeah. of the day, I tell my people like, yes, of course I want them to buy a house with me, but I really want them to call me back in three years to sell their house. And I really want every time someone talks about real estate for them to bring my name up and tell people what a great job I did for them. And, you know, I have a couple of clients who at this point who've, who've sent me over a million dollars, way over a million dollars worth of business from their friends and family because they constantly are telling people I did a good job for them. Um, you know, that's free for them to send that to me. I didn't have, you know, that just happens. Um, but that doesn't happen to everyone. That doesn't happen to every agent. It's interesting in our business, you know, when we're talking about growing your business or how do you get your business? A lot of that, you know, a lot of people buy leads or you can buy leads and or you can network or you can do all this stuff. But ultimately, Sal, and I think you you believe this also and Brad, uh, that just doing really high level work for your clients will translate into more business long term. Right. Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, it's definitely it's the long road. I mean, it, that's not going to be the instant success right because you need to have clients you need to build up a book to have more and more experiences for them to like start reciprocating back to you yeah but if um, over time if over, over time, time you that good is, work, that's well, the, i think that's if you if you pour all your effort into uh working with people who want to work with you right and like sam said like really blowing that experience out of the water for them like it just it keeps growing right they're talking to their agent you know they're sitting at the closing table whether you're there or not like man that was that was good they're they were good right like we really liked working with them it just it when people talk about you it just things happen right yeah. and they're not going to talk about you if you're not focused on that experience so i don't know it's it's weird too like you know i i talk to sam all the time and it's like how did this happen right like how all of a sudden is it like after just a few short years like we're you know, things are going really well. And yeah. it's not, you don't think about that when you wake up and you just do your, do your part. You're not thinking about the check. You're thinking about shit. This needs to close Friday. Like right. it has to, right. otherwise it's going to cost my clients money or they're going to do this, or they might not be able to, you know, have their daughter's birthday party Sunday there that they wanted to. Right. So you make it happen for those moments and not just, you know, whatever PA dates Monday, you know, right. sorry. <laughs> like it's, it's the going above and beyond that I think really makes a difference that right. will just grow your business. Yeah. And Sam, within three years, I mean, you've done a lot in the industry. That's pretty impressive to say the least uh, to now be a, a co-founder of Modus. What is for Mo for you, what does Modus mean to you? What is the, the brand that, that it stands for? So when we sat down and we're trying to think of a name, I mean, it's weird, right? We, most real estate teams are run by one person. Yeah. or they're run by a husband and wife. And I love the three guys that I'm in business with, but we aren't married. And, and um, you know, well, you are, it, you are business wise. <laughs> we are business wise. Yes. But yeah. we all, we all got a significant other. So, yeah. um, but we, you know, we, we wanted a different way to do business. We wanted something where somebody could grow a business under our umbrella as big as they wanted. It's also really important to us that our people on our team are meeting their own goals, not goals that we set for them. So when somebody joins us, we sit down with them um, yearly and we talk about what their goals are financially, what they are for time. You know, like there's something to that time. Freedom. We have a on our team where people, dads that are, you know, taking care of young children. Um, how many vacations do they want to go on a year? How many, how much, you know, I've got some hard set, uh, parameters in my life. I will not miss bedtime more than three times a week for my kids and one quarter of every weekend is for my family. And I, I, I don't give that up. And so I do that same thing for the people on my team. And some of them, you know, it's, they want to be home every night for dinner. They're only willing to miss dinner once. So we wanted to create a, a, a situation where that was available. 
where people could do that, build the kind of business that they wanted, have leverage. You know, we have social a social media person on our team that helps. Um, we have, you know, uh, contract to close help. So there's a lot of leverage there. And of course, like showing assistance on our team, that was really important. The other really important thing for us was that we were kind of faceless, that not one of us um, was ever going to be a star in our own right, that the power really was with the team, um, that we could support each other and, you know, celebrate each other's successes and everyone could get their credit um, because I don't always see that happening. A lot of real estate teams, Sal and Brad, are like uh, Jim Smith's team or you know the, the the pepperton team whatever it is and it's usually the one person's team and, and you've got i don't know i made that up yeah <laughs> so the peppertons yeah uh, you know what i mean sweet, it's a probably sweet. some guy listening to this podcast like what are you talking shit about yeah some guys but, listen, yeah, no. listen to the podcast so so uh yeah but you know usually it's you know the team is the name of whoever and but you guys decided to do more agnostic like like the name modus where you you know one person is like forefront right yeah i mean i i'm gonna get real geeky here for a second i believe in like manifestation and dreaming big and just like if i'm gonna do it i'm gonna go balls to the walls on it and you know uh nike was nike didn't have someone's name on it right apple yeah like i'm not trying to build something small I'm right. trying to build something huge. Right. So if you're trying to build something huge, you have to think that way from the beginning. Um, so that's what we're doing. When we sit down and talk, like we really think, you know, if somebody wanted to, if somebody is listening in Utah and they like our branding and they like us and they think that we're valuable, like you can use Modus out there. We'll figure something out. It can be everywhere. I mean, EXP is in Germany. It's in South America. I mean, it's everywhere. So, like, I'm not just trying to dominate here in Metro Detroit. Like, I when I say I'm literally trying to take over, it's like pinky in the brain. I, <laughs> you know, I like I don't dream small at all. Yeah. So yeah. that's just not on my radar. Yeah, I think we get. A, I think that we we have some similarities like that because when we started Omega, it was like, well, what are we going to call it? What are we going to do? Like, we we want to be big. We want to do. We want to own Metro Detroit. We want to. We want to expand, and you, it's kind of weird to do that if you're like, you know, Sal Kuzmano's lending. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. who who knows? Well, I, think, I, I, I don't think Uncle mortgages. I don't <laughs> think there's a right or a wrong way to do it necessarily, right? Like you've got you know, uh, Eddie Bauer, Ralph Lauren, whatever, right? Like brands can be. Mm-hmm whatever they want to be as long as everyone in that space supports it and believes yeah. in it and helps build the dream. Right. So, yeah. uh, I think that's just important to Sam's point, right? Like how do you build your culture? How do you sit down and talk to people and set the right expectations? You know, and even when you're talking about that, right? Like to a client, like if you're like, dude, I'm 24 seven and then they call you on a Sunday at nine, you can't be pissed. Right. Yeah. Like You got you got to yeah. set the right expectations. Like no one complains when they try to call their bank at 8 p.m. and it's not open. They just say, oh, they're not open. Right. So you have to set your own hours. You have to set your own expectations. You have to set your own tone that your clients, you know, your uh, uh, employees, whoever it is. Right. They all are on the same page. And I think that there's no real limit to where that brand can go. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Sam, what do you think is some of the ingredients of success for, for a good team? Um, I think you have to have really good open communication. Um, I think that people, you know, the people that I brought on to Modus, I talk to them all the time. Um, I seek feedback and I seek tough feedback. Like I want to know if I'm doing something wrong. I want to know if there's a place that I can get better, if I can lead better. Um, if, if how I'm trying to motivate you is not the way that you're motivated because I'm pretty straightforward and kind of a tough love kind of person. Um, so if that's not working, I need to know. So, but I ask for that and I'm, my ego is really low when it comes to taking that feedback. And I think, you know, if you're going to be a leader, you have to kind of make it a safe place for people to give you feedback and to not get combative or to, to be like, well, they're wrong. Well, feedback's everything. Yeah. yeah. You know, I was like, well, I'd rather get negative feedback than never hear from someone again. Correct. You know, right. which could happen easily. 
right? You have to be open to it. You can't be combative to it. You have to be like. Feedback okay. is a gift. Yeah. It's a gift. <laughs> yeah. Feedback is a gift. And if you look at it as, <laughs> as a gift, like whether it's positive or negative, like feed, like somebody to take the time to give you feedback, whether it's harsh or, or positive, whatever it is, feedback is always a gift. Would you agree, Sam? Yeah. I have a really good, like a mentor of mine that back from back in yearbook, because we used to have to give teenage kids feedback on these things that they had thought about for six months. It was like so close to their soul. And these, you know, teenage girls would be crying and so upset. And I would always have to remind them, like, where did that feedback come from? That person wants you to get better. And it takes a lot for somebody to give that feedback, you know, like they're being vulnerable. And if somebody's coming to me and telling me something like I'm kind of their boss, you know, right? Like I put myself in that position. So if all of a sudden they tell me something and I get pissed about it, they're never going to tell it to me again. And I'm right. never, like, I've just shut the door for not only them, but probably other people as well. Right. So yeah, I think feedback is so important and to, and to accept it with grace, I think is important. Um, I also think part of modus and a good ingredient of a team is, you know, being able to collaborate on a lot of stuff, share ideas. And the nice thing with four founders is I don't have to be good at everything. Um, I only have to be good at a quarter of it. And the other three can pick up those pieces that I'm not good at. So, you know, when we did this, we all were good at different things. Um, I'm hyper organized. I'm pretty good at social media and I'm the like hardcore communicator. Let's just talk it out. We've got, you know, people on our team who are super good at backend stuff. And then other people that are great at running comps and more, you know, answering broker type questions. And then we've got the social butterfly who could talk to anyone, you know, so we all kind of fill a spot and then we look for our blind spots to fill our teams. I see sometimes when people hire people exactly like themselves, but that doesn't do anything for my clients. I want somebody who's my opposite so that if Ted, the engineer doesn't like me, he can go work with someone else on my team who thinks like an engineer. Yeah. So I'm constantly hiring for those shortcomings of myself. Yeah. So uh, that's awesome. I mean, it's, it's very similar to like us. Like we have, you know, we have four people at, that run the uh, run Omega. We we're all, good at different things for sure that is a 100 fact that is a 100 fact and you can't you know you can't i don't think we would work honestly uh, if we didn't have that how important are your partners to you your loan office the loan officers you work with the title company the appraise like how important is having the right team around you oh my god it's it's so important i mean sal can attest to this i call him all the time um <laughs> and people on the team that's i mean uh you guys do a lot of my loans because I trust you. I mean, I like Sal, you guys did my refinance to get the pool, you know? So, um, I, I, like, I trust you guys to tell my clients the truth and that is so important. And I also trust, um, I need to trust a lender to tell me the truth because I can't properly set expectations for my clients if somebody isn't communicating with me. So I need to know, like, is this going to be difficult? Is this, you well, know, especially right now in this market where you might have to show someone 50 homes, 60, yeah. 100. That's a huge waste of time if someone doesn't qualify. Right. So yeah. like, <laughs> we've had some sketchy ones, too, where it's like, I don't know, man, like we're going to roll the dice on this one. But um, it's not often that that ever happens. But the uh, I think, you know, communication and being able to communicate with your partners, whether or not like I'm the best loan officer in the world or not, right? Someone has to get back to you. Like I have a lot of agents that send me deals and I'm like, hey dude, I need this addendum. I never, I I don't get it back, right? And it's like, they asked me to partner with them. I'd be like, mm, I don't know. You know, I don't know if I want to go through that, right? So I think you got to jive with all that. And, you know, same thing true with the title partner you choose, right? They've, they've done a great job for us and, you know, they're on it. So you have to choose wisely. What's the difference between, a, a, other than being honest, which is kind of crazy, that is, is a prerequisite for you, Sam, but, but it is true in our business. Unfortunately, loan officers don't always tell the truth because they don't want, they want to hide behind stuff, right? Other than that- It's not necessarily uh, that they're lying though. Like a lot of people, they're, they'll, they'll avoid- They're liars, the Brad, they're all lying. No, a lot of people will avoid the truth or avoid the conversation because they don't want to have to be put in a position where they have to either lie or tell the truth because it's uncomfortable. Yeah. But the truth that, sometimes those moments, those moments, 
make or break a lot of relationships and a lot of deals because if someone's avoiding you, you know it, right? It doesn't feel good. But if someone just hits you in the face with the truth, even though it hurts, you appreciate it more than being drug out for weeks. Yeah. I mean, I had one where somebody, like, they had forgotten to do something and I was calling them constantly. And instead of just answering the phone and being like, hey, my bad. I had a lot going on on Tuesday. I didn't get it done, but it will be, you know, I'll take care of it tomorrow and I'm going to make it right. That I could have dealt with, but they just skirted me for three days. And then I, you know, me and my client are freaking out where if they just answered the phone and had the tough conversation, like as far as I'm concerned, we're on the same team. We're both trying to get it to the closing table for our client. If I'm in the know, if I'm in the loop, then I can also start playing defense, you know, and maybe a little bit of offense on those deals to make sure we can hold it together. Um, so yeah, communication, making sure that they answer the phone. And then the other part is like being able to talk to my clients. You know, I think I run into so many clients who are really scared to talk to a lender. Like I get on the phone and I'm like, Hey, have you talked to a lender? No, why not? Well, I mean, I just, and they start giving me all, well, I had this student loan thing and then a credit, right. They have seen it all. Like it's fine. But if you don't talk to them, we can't figure out your starting point. Like if, if you can't get approved right this second, they can tell us when you can get approved or give us an idea of what needs to happen in order to get you approved. But I need you to talk to them. And, you know, you, my partners, the people that I send people to are good at doing that. You know, like, hey, it's not going to work now. Or, or if you were able to do this, then we can get you approved for the amount that you want to be approved for. So when I'm looking for, um, you know, lending partners or title par- partners. It's people that have really good bedside manner with my clients, um, with first time home buyers and somebody also, now that I run a team that is going to be available to my team as well. And that's going to treat them well, um, and help educate them. You know, one of my people on the team just had her first low appraisal. She's a listing agent, um, to deal with it. And it's like, I feel good because she had a low appraisal on a buy side and she called me. She already had it, you know, kind of figured out because a lender had already kind of walked her through on the last transaction and educated her. My first dealing with a low appraisal was for another client who was gone on a cruise and I was brand new and Sal spent like an hour on the phone with me walking me through that appraisal line by line because we couldn't call that agent because she was in Europe somewhere on a boat. Yeah. And that, if I would have messed that up, I don't, I don't even know what she would have done to me when she came back. Like she would have been so upset with me. So, you know, like those little things go a lot. Like, I won't forget that, that he did that. Cause that was, he didn't have to do that for me. Right, right. It, it was a long way. Yeah. Having the right team is really important. I think some agents and even loan officers poo poo that a little bit too much, but like, it's, it's important. So, uh, Hillary, uh, Hillary, Sam, t- tell me, uh, what you think of the market today. What is the state of today's market? I think it's slowing down a little bit, but that's seasonally. Um, I have actually a lot of buyers who took a, were, were looking in the spring who yeah. stopped because they were writing up against 50 other offers and were getting really frustrated. Yeah. So they decided to travel. And I've, I've seen that a lot, that a lot of people, this was kind of their first, we've all been stuck in the house, right? They were stuck homeschooling kids. So they decided to go travel this summer. And I see a lot of them coming back and they're starting to re-engage in their portals and do those things. But Mm -hmm. I think they're trying to get their last weekend in this weekend. I talked to a few that are like, I'm going to, you know, get back up and start looking in the fall. It's also price point dependent. You know, it's a lot slower at higher price points right now. When you get over five, things are sitting a little bit longer. Um, I mean, ranch condos, we, if anybody listening has a ranch condo, they need me to sell. I've got 10 buyers for that. You know, <laughs> um, I've got tons of people that want to downsize because they don't want to take care of that house anymore, but they want a ranch condo. And those are hard to find in Oakland County, like nice ones um, or McComb or Shelby. So you're out there. But, um, you know, I think it's it's slowing down. I'm not concerned about some big, crazy, you know, thing happening like something like Like a crash you're not worried about a crash happening sam not at all because i think people have so much equity in their homes like even if they you know are in some kind of trouble financially we can sell their house and get the money like yeah 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 yeah. so i'm not worried at all about that um i mean i think 
everyone would like it to level out. It would not be the worst thing in the world if houses sat on the market for 14 days. No, like, no, that's normal. Selling in two days. Yeah, like selling. And I've had to talk to sellers, you know, if a house is sitting on the market for 14 days, you know, 20 days. I'm like, at 25, let's talk. But right now, you know, it's, that, it's not the worst thing in the world. Like 50 offers on your house in four days, which happened in Sterling Heights this summer from one of my clients. Is, is not normal. That's insane. It, you know, 49 people didn't get that house. And I know those 49 people have all not found houses. So there's still buyers out there. Um, I just think it'll slow down a little bit. Well, and, you know, it's just like anything else, right? Like you sell and then you buy in that market too, right? So unless you already have a situation set up or whatever, you, hey, you know, we're moving up to our cabin up north. Great. Sell your house and get the 50 offers. But you know, if you got to buy something like do you want to be competing in the same way in the same fashion i mean it has to slow down and it has to have some equilibrium for us to sustain and, and keep going you know it's funny right right now yeah I, I would say like there are some lower appraisals right um and that's because it's just like it's not as crazy you know it's slowed down a little bit like you overlisted and people in their head right even uh a lot of agents and, and sellers are the market's still absolutely on fire crazy nuts and it's like no not really man like you take it off it feels like it's taking days on this yeah. and yeah you took ours it was a little bit you know lower and you know it's just uh <clears throat> like to your point with the low appraisals it's like it's not the end of the world it's what the place is worth probably if it's a good appraisal yeah so you know did did you as an agent secure that deal for your seller or did you have that conversation that, hey, we might have an issue, you know? And I went on a listing appointment in my neighborhood. <clears throat> I didn't get the listing because I didn't want to list it as high as they wanted it listed. They wanted to list it at $50,000 above. And I said, I mean, that would be awesome. I would love for that to happen because that helps my home value as well. But I just had an appraisal. And I mean, I, I'm looking at I, I can't justify that price. Like, it's not going to appraise for that. I can't, like... I just can't make that work. And I would be doing you a disservice, taking it, sitting it on the market, having people think that there's something wrong with it. You know, it's still, it's still like that. It would be like they, the same thing as like someone saying, hey, I want to, Quicken gave me a 350K appraisal. Well, I can only prove you for 300, man. Like the numbers don't really lie, right? Right. Well, I'm going to go with Quicken because they said I could get pre-approved for 350. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Math, yeah. math, you know. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> I can't like, I can't pull the brand new seven hundred thousand dollar house to be a comp for your ranch that was built in nineteen eighty three. I just can't. You know, it doesn't like, it doesn't make sense. So but why not? It's it's on the same street. I don't understand. Why can't I use that one? Exactly right. And so I, you know, or Zillow said it. I'm like, that's fantastic that Zillow said it. I mean, have they been in your house? Because the shag carpet is telling me a different story. So that, you know, that's like, I like to, to go on appointments and be honest with people about what I think that they can sell their house for. Now, will I stretch a price a little bit if they want and they're willing to test the market? Yes, 100% all the time we can do that. But they have to be reasonable um, because otherwise their house is just going to sit. So that's, you know, the conversation. Yeah. You sell your house or you just want to show it for six months? Four out of five times you're right. And that's four out of five times that you avoid uh, the tough conversations, looking like an idiot, right? Yeah, hey, maybe once in a while, yeah, I can only do 300. And then they close on a 350K home. You know, they found somewhere with low taxes or got a gift or whatever it was that I didn't know that, hey, it worked out. But I didn't want to blow that relationship. I didn't want to blow, have a bomb in my pipeline. You know, right. like I always, I talked to a lot of these, you know, newer, and I think that's important, right, as a leader to talk to the people who, trust you and look up to you and as a, you know, a leader or a teacher, like, Hey man, do not let someone put a bomb in your pipeline. Yeah. Cause it will blow it up and it will prevent other deals from flowing through. Cause you'll spend all your time on that one. You know, There's hey, man, a can I do this deal? They just filed bankruptcy last year. No, they, they did. I'm like, you, they like the guidelines say I can. I'm like, you can, if you want to write no more deals. For the next 30, <laughs> days, 30 days, you'll be spending all your time on it, you know? And I think that's important. Not that we don't want to help people, but find someone who specializes in that, right? Find someone who has the time or whatever to show $60,000 homes in Detroit, if that's not yep. your, you know, your avenue. And feel 
proud knowing that, hey, this person will give you the service and the time that you deserve. I think when you're starting out though, like when I started, I would take anything and everything. So I, I took on a client who had like 25 pieces of vacant land in the city of Detroit. <clears throat> like I was gonna make not a ton of money on that, but I learned more doing those 25 vacant land deals than I've learned doing a lot of things between title work, between, I mean, it was, and it was, you know, getting, just getting it done. Um, but that was really helpful. I think if somebody's new though, and you have the time, you should, you know, not, not shy away from like those tasks Tougher deals yeah. to do because I, I mean, they're great clients of mine now. Yeah. Well, yeah. I guess in the loan world, it's a little, yeah, <laughs> it's a little, a little different. different. Yeah, it's right? a little like, different. We don't we don't want our new guys stuck working on deals that aren't going to close and give them a bad reputation, right? That's sure. the biggest thing. But yeah, like, don't don't just shy away because someone's got you know an FHA loan. No, right? no, like, no, 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 no. If it's a little extra work, do the work. The only way I learned was by failure, you know, and I probably burned some bridges along the way. But if had I known or been able to talk to someone, I might have learned that way too. You know, it's yeah. different when you're all on your own. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, uh, Sam, what do you see as being a new, like in our area here in Metro Detroit, what are some areas that you see that have good, uh, that, uh, that are good investments in your opinion? I mean, it's so hard. Cause I feel like the market is still pretty high right now. So yeah, was, it's like you make money on any house right now. I mean, we're year over year, yeah. we're the most appreciation we've ever seen. So I think, you know, if I was somebody, I would, you know, when my husband and I talk about where we'd want to invest and things like that, we always think about the kind of rent, if we're thinking about a rental or we're thinking about something like that, we mm -hmm. always think about the client first. So like, who do I want as a renter is where mm -hmm. I would start. Like if I like, because if I start and I kind of reverse engineer it backwards, if I think like, I'd want somebody that's a long-term renter, that's going to be there for a couple of years, that's going to take, you know, that I think might take care of the, like, I want all of these things. So like, where, where would those people be looking um, you know, if I, if I can reverse engineer it that way and create the product that I want those people to buy, then, you know, I think you're better off. Does that make yeah. sense? Like, yeah. I mean, yeah. you can not sell to anybody like a rent, but the point is if you create a product that they want, then those are the type of people that will come at the price point that you want. So I think starting backwards and then, you know, any, you can, you could buy anywhere depending on who you want to be your tenants, right? Like if you're somebody who's like, I think it'd be cool to have, you know, a single person or like, a, you know, then you're gonna buy something smaller, a one bedroom, maybe two bedroom condo that doesn't have a yard that they need to take care of, things like that. If you're like, I'd be cool with something bigger where I can charge more, maybe that's a um, long-term tenant that's uh, relocation or like somebody that's coming, like we have a lot of those out in Rochester and Troy where people are, you know, coming here for a few years from out of the country and renting and working mm. for the big three or things like that up, up in um, Rochester for Chrysler. That's yeah. a different way of looking at it is, is thinking about the client first of who you want and then kind of retrofitting the, the property to that person. That's interesting, Sam. That's a different way of looking at it than I've heard. Yeah. Um, I mean, is that's there, how I would do. Is there anywhere in the metro area that you would stay away from as far as like investing? I mean, I personally think that some of the places in the corridor are getting, it's really expensive, you mm -hmm. know, like. In the Woodward Corridor, you mean? Yeah. You know, yeah. like Ferndale, like I, that was where my first house was in um, Ferndale and I bought it for 92. That would have been 10 years ago. Now, if I was to go turn around and sell it, it'd be 175 or more. Wow. Um, so that's a lot like of appreciation. So that's, I feel like probably going to start flatlining a little bit. Right. Um, I'd probably go a little bit further out or I'd look at, you know, places that are close to downtown that are close to all of the action now as that starts to happen. Right. With people getting to work from home um, and people not having to sometimes go into offices as much, people want more space. They want to, a lot of people are looking at entertaining at home. They're at home more. So they want, you know, I've got a lot of people who maybe one person was working from home and now two people are working from home and they're renting and they both need to be on zoom calls all day. So mm -hmm. that doesn't work because you know, Molly's working at the table and Dan's in the bedroom and they don't have a place to like decompress or anything at the end of the day. So yeah. Yeah. This work from home thing really has changed the, the dynamic of what homes mean. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, 
like Lake Orion stuff, like out there, places out there. I think if you can get something that has, um, you know, I see a lot of people out the Stony Creek Metro Park, like places like that. That's where I think a lot of my clients are looking because they want to be close to be able to do those things. Right. Um, and close to 75 to either get up or down. Right. It's also how, how far away, because metro, the Metro Detroit area is, is pretty large. And to get from one place to another sometimes can take a long time. Um, all right. Uh, we're going to go into three questions, Sam. This is where we ask three random questions that we haven't thought of previously. And we do it live and then we get your answer. So first question that I usually ask is what scares Samantha Hillary? Um, I would say like being a failure. I really, I don't want to fail. And I've got two little girls that look up to me. So that's the thing that I, I can't fail. Yeah. Yeah. Failure is something that scares the shit out of me too. Although failure is necessary for success. So it's like you almost have to fail to be successful. So, uh, it's, it's a double-edged sword. I hate failing. I'm terrified of it, but at the same time, I'm every time I like mess up or have a failure, it's such a learning lesson to build off of. I used to fail fast and then pivot. Yeah. My mantra, like if I'm going to fail, make sure it's quick and then figure it out and move on. You mean you don't wallow in your misery after you fail? No, I just do a little dance party in my office. <laughs> and then I'm pretty good. That's awesome. I, I think a lot of people, not to, but like, is failure even a thing? You know, can you fail yeah. at something? Right. Or can you like, move on from it. I mean, I guess people who like fail just stop at that point. Right. And that's, that. that's failure. I mean, that's failure. Fail. That's failure. Yeah. If you, yeah. you know, you fail and you the just mindset's like, yeah, you can't really fail. Like the only way you're like, I think a lot of people all the time are like, man, like if this happens, it's over. And it's like, is it correct? Like is we're it? just like human organisms on this planet, like moving around, like what's a mortgage in the grand scheme of it all. Right. Like, <laughs> is that failure? I'm still alive, you know? Yeah. That, that's getting a little, you know. Death like, is the camp. only failure. That's like campfire <laughs> up north talk, yeah, like, but you know, like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. We, should, we should delve into this sound next time we're on a campfire yeah. up north. Yeah, yeah. that's it. That's a good call. <laughs> uh, next, you guys got a question? Or you want me to just handle them? You guys got anything? Go for um, it. If you could be anywhere, like if you could be a fly on the wall at any moment in time in history, right? Like witness it from like a third, like out of body view. What would that moment in history be? I would love to be a fly on the wall when um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg was arguing for women's equality, like for women to be treated equally in the eyes of the law at the Supreme Court. That'd be interesting. I, yeah. I wonder yeah. how she, she, you think she got into them like harsh? I don't know. She, I just, I have so much like respect for her and like, she's just, I, I don't know. I just would have loved to see at that moment, like such a tiny little person arguing such a mo monumental thing. Mm -hmm. If the, if you could, okay, here's the last question. If you had a magic wand and you could wave it and change something in your industry, what would it be and why? Oh gosh. Um, <laughs> just one thing, not a much. Yeah. I, I think if I could do that, I would get rid of all the naysayers, like the people that are in real estate that aren't really doing much but that really have strong opinions. It's like they should get busy doing something um, and stop, you know, heckling the rest of us. So I'd get rid of them. They heckle you? <laughs> That's awesome. The Karens of real estate? Yeah. The Karens yeah. of real estate. Not really doing much, but always have an opinion, right? Yep. Yes. I think that's true for any anybody, They're just in life in general. A lot of people like to be negative, and I'm not I'm not down with the negativity. And a lot of people like to sh you know shit on people's parade just for the fact of shitting on people's parade. They should get shit. Well, yeah, it's, it's funny, right? Like you, little appraisal or something, listing agent calls you. This is crazy, blah blah blah. I'm like, okay, like relist it then. You've got yeah. all these buyers and all you know. You got like. Do what you got to do, man. But really, all you're doing is blowing hot air. Right. Like, mm -hmm. right. And obviously, you know, lots of other people in the business. But um, yeah, doers do. Right. Doers do. Yeah. Uh, Samantha, anything you want to leave the audience with before we, we let you go? No, I mean, if I would say if somebody is thinking about jumping into real estate or thinking about doing like a big career change, mine happened in my 30s you should just go and do it 
Like, yeah. don't be scared. Don't be scared. You've done a great job, Sam. Why don't you tell the audience how they can get a hold of you? Um, you can check us out at www.modusre.com or you can email me at Samantha at modus, M-O-T-U-S-R-E.com. Um, that'd be the easiest ways. That's awesome, Sam. Sam, thank you for doing the show. We really appreciate your partnership. Obviously, we're going to continue that. and We'll have you back on soon. All right. Thank you. Be good, Samantha. Yeah, Sam is awesome. I, I I called her Hillary like three times, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, like, man. I don't know why. I don't know why I kept doing that. It was like stuck in my Dyslexic. head. Like, Hillary. But um, yeah, yeah. No, it's good to you know work with good people, and uh, I think it it's fun when we get to work with a team that's you know a lot like ours, right? Uh, very similar. Yeah. Yep. So yeah. I, uh, what do you think? Uh, you know, I it, I think kind of to the point at the very beginning of this conversation, I don't think we're really, I don't think we're headed towards like a waterfall of anything, right? Like no. as far as values I don't go, think I think the stock market's kind of sustained itself with this money. I Listen, I mean, the, there's gonna be tapering that the Fed does that's gonna raise interest rate. I mean, rates are gonna go up a little bit, uh, you know, but that's it. But, you know, we'll see what happens. But that's our show for everybody that's been listening. Thank you for uh, liking, subscribing and sharing. Uh, find us at irepodcast.com. But for that, we are gone. That's it. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Inside Real Estate, the nation's top real estate podcast. Don't forget to follow us at irepodcast.com and everywhere where podcasts are available. 